0: do the commander theory podcast i'm nick beatman and i'm here with my friend zach mack hello theorists all right today we're gonna to be uh doing our set review for phyrexia All be one but we're gonna be doing it in a slightly different way historically we've kind of gone through every commander relevant card this time we're gonna be sort of doing a highlight reel of the cards that we're most excited about and or that we expect to make a big splash in commander. There are a lot of cards in this set that kind of only have a space in like, say, the toxic deck or, or rather the poison deck or the proliferate deck. So we're not going to be focusing on that so much. Um, I think for a lot of those cards, you can just kind of figure out that if it says proliferate, the new Azuri probably wants it or if it has like a high toxic number for a low cost, you can probably fit it in your poison deck. So we're mostly just gonna be looking at cards that um, are a little bit wider in their impact or that are just personally interesting to us that we think there's like cool interactions or cool tech that combine with them. So that's what we're focusing on in this set review. Let us know how you like it. Uh, if you would much prefer the typical Commander Theory set review format, let us know. If you like this highlight reel format better, and uh, you know, I, I imagine this will be much shorter than our typical set reviews, and if that is a bonus for you, please let us know. But we'll make sure to incorporate your feedback into the next set review. But before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad free episodes for as little as $1 a month. And another benefit that I want to highlight for this episode in particular is we wrote a set review for everything. Uh, (laughs) So if you are a patron, uh, you can check out our show notes and see what we had to say about pretty much every significant card in the set. So if you want to check that out, it is only going to cost you $1 a month. But if you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can still help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right. With that, let's jump into our lists. Um, I have a couple honorable mentions. I just want to get out of the way because I I think they are notable, even though they're uh, probably not going to see crazy amounts of adoption um and and they're not something i really want to mess with but i I think we do have to call some of these cards out um so the first card i want to talk about is all will be one this is three red red for an enchantment whenever you put one or more counters on a permanent or player all Will be one deals that much damage to target opponent creature and opponent controls or planeswalker and opponent controls so uh, this card is notable because there are several uh, two-card combos that work with it. Uh, you can combine it with pretty much anything that like uh, deals damage and get or like gets counters on it when damage is dealt to an opponent. So that is things like Quest for Pure Flame, Talent of Pain, War Elemental. Any of those cards uh, will just set off this loop. Where you deal damage to your opponent somehow. Quest for pure flame gets a counter. All be one triggers when a counter is put on quest for pure flame. Uh pings something. Another counter is put on a quest for, for pure flame. Um, same is true for talent of Pain. War Elemental. And then most notably uh, the Red Terror. Uh, the Red Terror is a new commander from the Warhammer 40k decks. And it's uh, 3 and a red for a 4-3 legendary creature Tyranid. Whenever a red source you control deals damage to one or more permanents andor players. Put a plus one plus one counter on the red terror. So, this combo is uh probably gonna get pulled off more often because you can just run the red terror in your command zone, it's just like a one card combo in that deck, sort of. So, I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it is, uh, it, it does open up possibilities for combos in like a mono red identity. Uh, The challenge is that red is not particularly good at tutoring. So it seems like it's going to be hard to assemble these combos, but did want to bring it up. Do you have any honorable mentions that you want to bring up or can I talk about my last
1: one? Yeah. Talk you. Talk about yours and then let's get into it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, The, the second and last honorable mention I wanted to make was encroaching mycosynth. So this is three in a blue for an artifact Non-land permanents you control are artifacts in addition to their other types. The same is true for permanent spells you control and non-land permanent cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. So this is kind of goofy, but this does open up um, some combos. It does allow you to do some tricky things. It's a very cool Johnny card. So, for example, uh, if you have this out and you're running like a, a Padim... Fadim grants all of your artifacts Hexproof, so she will grant herself Hexproof as well. It's kind of a neat little bonus. Other things you can do with it, uh, you can combine it with Dark Steel Forge just to make all your non-land permits indestructible. If you combine it with Summoning Station, you will get Infinite sack Fodder. Uh, So Summoning Station is a 7-mana artifact, taps to put a 2-2 colorless pincher creature token onto the battlefield, and then... Whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may untap summoning station. So you tap summoning station, make a pincher. The pincher is made an artifact by the encroaching Megasynth, And then you sack that pincher. Summoning station untaps and you're back where you started, except you generated whatever your sack outlet made. If you have some way to get like to tutor up multiple artifacts, that's just a possible combo line. Um, other things you can do, uh, clock of omens works really really well with encroaching Mycosynth. there are things where you can like tap an artifact to make some kind of token Uh, if that token is an artifact you're closer to where you need to be to or actually there are just permanents that tap to make uh to make multiple tokens and then you can tap those tokens to untap whatever tap them using encroaching Mycosynth and a clock of omens there's there's fun combo lines Uh, voltaic construct another good one Uh, voltaic Construct is two mana untap target artifact creature so you can make you can take like a bloom tender or some other like green creature that taps for a million mana make it an artifact and then boom you've got potentially infinite mana there so very neat combo piece lots of applications Uh, i didn't want to get through this episode without bringing it up but with that i think we can go on to our top 10 And Zach, since I just went through my honorable mentions, I'm going to give you the honor (laughs) of going first. Tell us the first card on your top 10 list.
1: Well, it's uh, not going to be, well, I think it will be, if you listen to this show a lot, you'll know that I would have loved this card, but it is Norn's Wellspring. I put them all in Wuburg order. So Norn's Wellspring is a white artifact. It costs one and a white, so it has mana value of two and it says whenever a creature you control dies scry 1 and put an oil counter on Norn's Wellspring then it says tap or uh, sorry then it says one tap remove two oil counters from Norn's Wellspring draw a card so years and years and years ago uh, i said that like people were talking about why it was it was when we did the episode like quantifying color identities um and one of the things that I would say, I think I said in that episode, but I definitely said it to friends, was that they just need to tack Scry onto, like, every other white card. Like, your combat trick needs to Scry, your, like, ETB guy needs to Scry, your, like, artifacts and equipment should have Scry on them. And that'll fix a lot of what white is missing, because the other thing that it'll do is if they do ever, or as they should, give white, like, some form of card draw... It makes the card draw more consistent too because you scry away all the stuff you don't want and then you get to draw the thing you do want uh so basically i'm really glad that wizards was like listening in to my phone conversations and uh created this (laughs) card for me in particular (laughs) Um, but i really do think this is a cool white engine Uh, i love that they're making them cheap so like they're all like two and three mana these days which is kind of wild to me, because you can drop a Norn's Wellspring turn two and then start your, let's say, like an Elias Core deck. Just get moving from there. You're scrying away everything you don't need. You have a bunch of draw, like, stuff or or even just in a go-wide aggro deck. Like, you play this on turn two, you generate a bunch of tokens on turn three, you attack on turn four, you just scry a bunch of stuff away, or if they wrath, like, you get to draw a card to compensate a little bit and you get rid of all the stuff that isn't gas. So I think this is just kind of a good card. I don't think it's impressive, but it's the kind of thing that like makes it's like a take your vitamins kind of card. And I appreciate that. And uh, I like that they are not afraid to put scry and draw on white cards anymore. That seems like a good thing to me. Yeah, it so, could be fun what,
0: in like a Tasa Karlov list where you're getting double the scry and double the oil counters mm-hmm. whenever a creature dies or a creature you control dies.
1: Yeah, because white, black aristocrats is definitely a thing, even before Elias, Ilkor. Um, and then just white creatures die all the time because you're getting into combat or whatever, or you make mm-hmm. a bunch of tokens and you're swinging. So this. It seems like a great like it's definitely in Phyrexian theme, you know, when they're dying, you're getting the benefit, but also just that's what happened. <laughs> <So> if you <laughs> if you play white decks long enough, your your tokens die and then now you're going to get a little benefit from it. So I'm into it. But all that said, what's your first card on your list?
0: All right. My first card on my list. I am also going in Wooburg order. Um so my first card is the eternal wanderer Uh, she is four white white for a five loyalty legendary planeswalker with no subtype Uh, she has the static ability no more than one creature can attack the eternal wanderer each combat plus one exile up to one target artifact or creature return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of that player's next end step Uh, zero create a two two white samurai creature token with double strike and minus four for each player, choose a creature that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control not chosen this way. So, uh, the metrics we typically use when evaluating Planeswalkers on the show is like, does it have a... It either needs to like have a huge impact the moment it hits the board or be really, really good at protecting itself. Uh, and for the Eternal Wanderer, both of those things are true. She can... uh just like kind of wipe the board of all but like your opponent's worst creature um and she also makes it difficult to like swarm her with attackers if you have like one decent blocker you can fend off all your opponent's attempts to to kill her with combat damage so i'm i'm just really impressed with this card i think this is a, a fantastic addition for super friends decks um potentially even just like a card you might run in a random white deck i I think this is a one of the stronger planeswalkers and like planeswalkers best geared for commander that we've seen in a while uh i'm very pleased with this card and also like i'm I'm not even getting into the fact that like okay yeah it it rests the board uh, it's it's hard to kill, but it's also just like a blink engine, uh, which is something that I've been wanting to see more of in white. So this card kind of does everything. Uh, it's I uh, it's very good. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the Eternal Wanderer? If not, uh, I think you can move on to your next card on your top ten list. This is not the only six mana planeswalker that is going to
1: appear in this episode. <laughs> um, six plus mana planeswalker. So. Card number two for Zach. Uh, also a white card. So this is also a two-mana white card. This is Skrull's Hive. So Skrull's Hive is a two-mana enchantment. So one in a white, once again. Uh, and it says, At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life and create a 1-1 colorless Phyrexian Mite artifact creature token with Toxic 1, and this creature can't block. Uh, it also has this other line of text, Corrupted, as long as an opponent has three or more poison counters, creatures you control with toxic Life lifelink. I, I kind of don't really care about that. Like I, I think scrolls hive is good enough to put into a lot of white decks. Uh, it's tokens, it's tokens every turn and it's using the resource. White is really good at generating to get them. Uh, not that you can like speed up the process ever, but uh, white has life. White has pump. The tokens are artifacts and they are creatures uh, and that is kind of all you need for this card to be good. Uh, a lot of the best pumps in white uh, have to do with artifacts so like Tempered Steel is really good. Um, you got like Jorkadine wants stuff like this all the time. The first one, like what you play this on turn two, by the time Jorkadine comes out, everything gets plus three plus zero. So there's a lot of synergies. There's a lot of cool uh, just normal white stuff that you're going to want to do with these. And then if you just need like guys to sack or something like that, this does the same thing. This is much, much worse than bitter blossom. I do want to say that because bitter blossom, the tokens can block, they can fly. So they can usually get in there. Um, they have relevant creature better. types. Yeah. Much better creature types. Um And like the toxic on these is really nothing. Like if you do end up getting, to the lifelink threshold like good on you but like i I really don't think i'm gonna ever poison someone to death with the scrolls hive especially if it's the only card in my deck that does it but uh if i ever do poison somebody with this card i will buy them a drink after the game so (laughs) that's uh how i feel about it but i just yeah i think it's just a great card uh it's gotten a lot of hype so i don't want to dwell on it too long um so if there's i don't know if you have any thoughts on it or if you want to get to your next card
0: Um, just that, like, I want to make sure there's a card that's like kind of at a similar price point, kind of doing similar things that I think is perhaps a little bit stronger, depending on what your deck is trying to do. Um, just want to make sure people are aware of Militia's pride. Um, this is one and a white for a tribal enchantment Kithkin. Whenever a non-token creature you control attacks, you may pay white. If you do create a one, one white Kithkin soldier creature token that's tapped and attacking. So similar like upfront cost um rather than paying life you are like paying mana it does require you to be attacking with non token creatures but you can potentially generate like multiple attackers per combat and uh get like more bodies in a shorter amount of time than you would from Scourge Hive so keep it in mind if uh you're you're really hot for Scourge Hive there are other similar cards in white
1: Mm-hmm. yeah okay. absolutely
0: uh i am gonna move on to my next card in my top 10 uh man speaking of cards that like attacking um this is Skyhunter strike force it is two and a white for a two two creature cat knight it has flying and melee so melee is whenever this creature attacks it gets plus one plus one until end of turn for each opponent you attacked this combat and it also has lieutenant As long as you control your commander, other creatures you control have melee. So uh, there are some requirements on this card. You do need to have your commander out. You do need to be attacking, uh, preferably at multiple opponents. Um, But there are a number of white decks that can very easily meet that condition. Uh, And if you have that... I mean, if if you have that enabled, then this is just like an enormous buff for the mana cost. Paying three mana and getting potentially like plus three, plus three on all your guys uh, is huge. Um, I, I think this is like a very, very efficient pump effect. And I have a lot of decks that I would happily run this in.
1: No, I agree with you. I think this card is wild. Um, so this is in the set boosters is that what? This yes sorry is? this
0: is a set booster exclusive commander card so uh mm-hmm. you're you ain't gonna find this in your drafts
1: honestly i feel like when they do that to these cards the cards either go by completely like unnoticed by the the public or they're like highly sought after like the goshen tai or something like that because like there's the what's the guy from uh was it DMU, the, the goblin that hoses treasure tokens, is still only like a few bucks. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, I can't remember his name now off the top of my head, but um, yeah, so this card may or may not stay cheap for a long time. I don't know what he's at right now, though, so I'll i I'm, I'm leave it to the listener to check on that, but this is definitely a very, very powerful card. This is the kind of buff that like white needs to be competitive, and I love that they're finding ways for Cards that scale really well in Commander, in particular, because they're really worried about like overjuicing white and killing constructed. Which, I don't, I don't think white has been the reason constructed is, has suffered lately. But that's uh neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, I love this card too. This is a really cool one. I guess can I keep on trucking? Can I get? Yeah, to let's card?
0: hear your number three card.
1: Yeah. So this is, I'm actually going to go into blue for this one. So this is an effect that I've been really into the last like year or so. Um, So this is the card itself is called Mind Splice Apparatus. So Mind Splice Apparatus is a four mana artifact, costs three and a blue. Uh, So mana value of four and Mind Splice Apparatus has flash. So that's, that's fun. That's cool. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on Mind Splice Apparatus, and instance and sorcery spells you cast cost one generic list to cast for each oil counter on Mind Splice Apparatus. So this effect varies in popularity based on how long the card has been around, or how high profile the card is. Um... Blue versions of this effect are very popular. We haven't really gotten other non blue versions lately, other than like the one that attacks in uh, Nukpenna, which is in not that many decks. I cannot remember the name of of that little guy. It's a red two drop. But like Goblin Electromancer is in 47,000 EDH EDH Rec deck lists. Primal Amulet is in 40,000. Overall Chief of Compliance is in 37,000. Jace's Sanctum is in 27,000. And I, I actually do want to say that I think the Jace's Sanctum is in... It's in like every other pre-con that casts spells, quote, quote. Um, so <laughs> this might be a little bit of pre-con effect there because like Hadijin came out in Um Thalminaria United and that has been awesome for me in the decks that I've been playing it in. I think it's just way better jesus and it can like attack and block and stuff um but just saying uh and i've been a big fan of font of magic which came out in baldur's gate so a uh, font of magic is a four mana blue enchantment that says your instants and sorceries cost one less for each time you've cast your commander this game um so that discount gets pretty chunky and the ability to cast like instants or sorceries that are pretty impactful like a um What's the six mana supremacy? Um Ooh.
0: instant. Sublime Epiphany?
1: Yeah, Sublime Epiphany. There you go. So like having a card like a Sublime Epiphany in like your deck, like that card is good on the surface. It like kind of just won't give you enough value. But then when it costs three, like you feel like a genius. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> you fool. <laughs> You utter ignoramus! I've come here and I am destroying you now. Look at all this value I've gotten. And that's true with pretty much any spell that costs five or more. When they cost three or less, like it really changes the way that the game plays out. And um, savvy opponents have noticed that these cards are good, but uh, it's kind of like... Uh, there's a few cards on my list that are like that, where <laughs> if people don't notice, that's the thing that's doing... The enabling then they get by and don't get blown up and you can keep doing your thing so mind splice apparatus seems like one of those cards um and i'm into it so that that's my uh spoiler alert that's my only blue card but do you want to get to your next card on the list
0: sure uh my next card is also a white card it is white sun's twilight X, white, yeah. white for a sorcery. Uh, you gain X life. Create X, one, one colorless Phyrexian might artifact creature tokens with toxic one, and this creature can't block. And if X is five or more, destroy all other creatures. So, uh, the easiest point of comparison for this card is Marshall Coup. Uh, Marshall Coup is in 27,000 decks on EDH rec. And so, relative to that, um, like toxic one is kind of a nothing effect unless you have some way to give your tokens haste and then like casting this for X is 10, just like kill somebody. But that's kind of like expecting like a white deck to have a, you know, 12 mana available and like a haste graner Oh, that doesn't seem like a super realistic plan for, I think most of the time the toxic one is not going to matter. Unless you've got, unless you're playing like some way to grant all your guys double strike, maybe it it doesn't seem super good. Um, the life is nice, but considering like the scale of the life gain, I don't think it's extremely important. But it is worth noting that the tokens you're making are uh, artifacts for things like tempered steel or, or rather. The the urza that gives plus two plus two to all artifact creatures that's a consideration um but really like losing the ability to block with your tokens is huge i think it's the biggest difference between these two cards and it's definitely a downside on on white sun's twilight so i think if you are interested in this type of effect you definitely run marshall Ku over this but you would Probably but if you're running one, you probably run the other. Um this is just a powerful card. Uh if you have ways to pump up your tokens, if you have ways to um to sacrifice them for value, I think this'll do a lot for you. But yeah. not every deck is gonna be super interested in that. If you've already like committed a bunch of tokens to the board or you can't easily get to the, the seven mana needed to cast this for X is five then mm, you could probably leave it in your binder.
1: Yeah. I, I think, like you said, like Marshall Coup is still probably better, but I think if you interact with any other part of this card, like if you like the life gain, if you like that there are artifacts, um, that kind of stuff, then you probably do want to play this. And I think the life gain makes them like comparable I think that's kind of the most clever part of this card was they're like, these tokens are worse, but you gained X life, and you're like, okay, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and it wipes the board, whatever. That's fine. So it's definitely a cool one. With that said, can I move on to my next card?
0: Yeah, I go for it.
1: So this is my my one and only black card on my list. Uh, this is Vraska Betrayal Sting. So another six mana Planeswalker, just kidding, it's completed. So there's, I'm going to say so many words right now and I apologize to like everyone listening. I'm going to do my best to make all of this make sense. So Vraska Betrayal Sting is a six mana uh, legendary Planeswalker Vraska with six loyalty, but she has completed. So she either costs four black black or four black and two life. Because she costs four black and a Phyrexian mana, so six mana, but one of it is a black Phyrexian. And if you pay the Phyrexian, she enters as a five mana four loyalty Planeswalker. So she's either a six mana six loyalty Planeswalker or a five mana four loyalty Planeswalker. So what does she do? She has zero prolifer. Oh, sorry, Ooh, I'm getting, I'm jumping the gun. I'm burying the lead right there. <laughs> <laughs> she has zero. Draw a card, lose a life, proliferate. Minus two, target creature becomes a treasure artifact with tap, sacrifice this artifact, add one mana of any color, and loses all other card types and abilities. Minus nine, if target player has fewer than nine poison counters, they get a number of poison counters equal to the difference. So classic uh, plus one draw a card, Minus two kill a thing, minus nine win the game. Um, so I actually, when I read this card the first time, I read it wrong, and I I hope you don't blame me for that (laughs) because I missed (laughs) like the most important word on the card, which was proliferate in the first ability. I was like, You just she just kills herself. Like, how do you get to nine? You play with the proliferate cards in the set. This is wild, and then I saw proliferate, and I was like, Oh, that's actually really cool because normally the plus one draw card is just like whatever but the fact that this is basically plus one draw card and also like tick all these other things up means that this is like a pretty wild value machine for six mana um it's definitely not as strong as the other six mana planeswalker we talked about in the
0: set um well the- Let's be real. This is a 5 mana planeswalker. I Yeah, this I, is a 5 mana planeswalker. <laughs> yeah, it'll it be rare circumstances indeed in which I do not pay the life instead of the mana.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, getting her working a little bit faster is exactly what you want to do. Um th- there's some of the other ones have like a bigger incentive to cast like w- with the mana, but this one absolutely does not. <laughs> this one you're casting for 5 pretty much all the time. But um she protects herself. Uh she Gives you greater utility than a plus one normally would um, and still can end up with like a ton of loyalty counters. So I think if you're in some kind of control deck, if you're in some like black blue proliferate thing, like this is a pretty good engine. The ultimate is whatever. I'm not even like caring about that. I think this is just like an interesting place in like some kind of black super friends list or like black control list. I think Vraska is pretty good. So, um, yeah, that's that's it. This is, that's my, I think, the only Planeswalk. Oh, no, nope, I lied. <laughs> I lied very bad. So, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, what is your next card that you want to talk about?
0: All right, uh, my next card is less widely useful than most of the other ones on my list, but uh, I just think it's a really interesting card that has a lot of cool applications. Mm-hmm. It's the Marge Simpson think- effect. <laughs> exactly. I just think it's neat. <laughs> uh this is Blade of Shared Souls. It is two and a blue for an artifact equipment. It has four mirrodin So when this equipment enters the battlefield, you create a 2-2 two, two red rebel creature token, then attach it to it. Uh, and whenever Blade of Shared Souls becomes attached to a creature, for as long as Blade of Shared Souls remains attached to it, you may have that creature become a copy of another target creature you control and has equipped for two. So uh, this is kind of like a mirror image, uh, in the sense that it's three mana and you can copy another creature control. Um, there are decks that are kind of interest that will be interested in that. Uh, it doesn't play quite as nicely with things like Sun Titan or whatever, because rather than like needing a creature sac outlet, you need a um, uh, you need an artifact sac outlet, which is a little harder to come by, but it's still. Uh, a neat card just on that base level but it also has some combo potential and other cool applications uh, just by like swapping it around to your other creatures and making them copies of things so i i don't have an exhaustive list of all the things you can do with it but here are just some like neat little combos you can do with it um so for example like will help the rot cleaver has this ability uh whenever a oh let me get the exact wording on this um so whenever another zombie you control dies if it didn't have decayed create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with decayed so what you can do with blade of shared souls is uh you have a decayed token you equip the blade of shared souls now that that zombie decayed token no longer has decayed because it's copying something else and then you can sacrifice it to will held or just let it die in combat or sacrifice it to some other sack outlet and then will help will trigger you get another token with decayed and then you can equip the blade of shared souls onto that blah 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 uh, just a really neat value engine uh, for that deck and then there is and then in terms of combo potential um, you're gonna have to use a weird little card it was one of the uh, dominaria united like box topper commanders um, so it's tobias doomed conqueror uh, two white blue for a 3 2 legendary creature human soldier with flash. When it dies, for each non token creature you controlled that died this turn, create a 2 2 black zombie creature token. So uh, let's say you have like an Ashnod's altar or a Phyrexian altar, something that allows you to sacrifice a creature to generate mana. And let's say that like two non token creatures you control died this turn. So you just need to put the blade of shared souls on anything uh, and then sack and make it a copy of Tobias. Uh, that token will die to the legend rule. It will trigger and then make two to two, two or more black zombie creature tokens, depending on the number of non token creatures you control that died this turn. You can then sack those tokens to your altar to generate the mana to equip something, maybe another zombie token uh with the blade of shared um the blade of shared souls and then make that a copy of tobias rinse and repeat you get infinite i mean depending on how many things died you can get infinite mana infinite tokens um infinite creatures dying it's a very neat little interaction for that deck and i'm sure there are many other decks out there that can make good use of this card Um, but that is the fourth card on my list uh zach what's your uh fifth card i think we're up to for you
1: yeah and i do really like that card a lot i think it's really cool um and i i'm glad you brought it up um so my i i have a string of red cards here and this one i'm not going to talk too long about because we already kind of mentioned it but it's all will be one from uh nick's honorable mentions but it's on my main list um, so once again, this is a five mana enchantment in red, costs three red, red. It says whenever you put one or more counters on a permanent or player, all will be one. Deals that much damage to target opponent, creature, and opponent controls, or planeswalker and opponent controls. So the only thing I'm going to add that's separate from like what Nick said about it is that uh, we we called it we said that they were making red and commander more of the combo color and i think if you don't believe that by now like hopefully this card can convince you (laughs) that this is where they want red to be i don't i don't know why they decided that red should be the fun janky combo engine color but here we are um i'm happy about it i love it i love like it's like riding a like old-timey jalopy down the road and then it explodes in like a bunch of fireworks and and oil counters and stuff. It's great. I love it. So uh i'll be one is my my fifth card on my list, yes. Uh and so I'm gonna throw it back to Nick real quick. What is your next card?
0: Alright, next card on my list uh is Red Sun's Twilight. Um so this so is cool. X red red. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, x red red for sorcery destroy up to x target artifacts if x is five or more for each artifact destroyed this way create a token that's a copy of it those tokens gain haste exile them at the beginning of the next end step so uh just easy point of comparison um by force is x and a red destroy x target artifacts it, and that is in seventeen thousand decks on edh rec um and this card just seems better in several ways. Um, If you're reliably casting by force for like X equals five or greater, then Red Sun's Twilight is just clearly going to get you more value. Um, And even though it costs like one extra red mana on the front end, if you're hitting like a single mana rock when X is greater than or equal to five, then the net cost is the same. Like you get somebody's Felwar Stone and then you kind of generate back that mana that you that extra mana that you spent to cast it and then of course if you hit two or more mana rocks or a soul ring then you're getting a discount relative to buy force Uh, and it's also worth noting that you can set x equal to five even when there are fewer than five targets because it's uh, up to x target artifacts if you just want token copies of things but you don't have enough targets you can still make it work all right, with that, uh, I'm going to kick it back to you. What is your number six? God, that card's
1: so cool. <laughs> also, I do want to add one thing to the Red Suns Twilight is that it seems like a very good Obeka card because you can exile the exile trigger. So, But my next card is also a red card, and it's also a Planeswalker. I can't believe I made that faux pas earlier, but it's Koth Fire of Resistance. I know a lot of people are like, that guy sucks. <laughs> that was pretty much the, the what I saw online is most people hated him. But Cothfire of Resistance is a 4 loyalty, 4 mana Planeswalker. So 2 red red. Has plus 2. Search your library for a basic mountain card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle. Minus 3. Cothfire of Resistance deals damage to target creature equal to the number of mountains you control. Minus In minus seven, you get an emblem with whenever a mountain enters the battlefield under your control. This emblem deals four damage to any target. I like this card a lot. I played a lot with Liliana of the Dark Realms, which for some reason people think is like one of the worst Lilianas. But I've ulted Liliana of the Dark Realms like way more than a person has any right to do to get that ult that like makes every swamp tap for four. Because people just ended up really underestimating her. Um, so Liliana of the Dark Realms is a little different, but basically follows the same formula. Four mana Planeswalker, plus one, search your library for a Swamp card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Minus three, target creature gets plus X, plus X, or minus X, minus X, where X is the number of Swamps you control. And then minus six, uh, you get an emblem with Swamps you control, have tap add four, for black. So very a lot of, lot of black mana. Uh, a very, very swampy card, this Liliana is and that's basically what koth is and i think it's interesting that they are uh continuing the i care about mountains a lot theme going up to six on turn four and getting a mountain means that he's really beefy for no reason and you just drew an extra card and hit your land drop forever like you never have to worry about a land drop until they kill koth but they are gonna have to send something relevant at him to kill him (laughs) you know like six is Huge. That's a lot of loyalty really early on, and it goes to 8 really quick after that. If you ever get the 7, then you basically just have a permanent better-than-Valaka trigger on every mountain that you play. So I I think he's underestimated. Uh, I think if you play with him, you're going to be very impressed. And every now and then, you're going to minus 3 to blow something up, and that's going to be fine. So I uh, value land drops a little bit higher than the average player, I think, does... But I'm I'm pretty high on Koth. I'm excited to play him in my specifically like mono red decks. I'm not really looking to play Koth in like multicolor decks or even like other super friends lists. Really, but yeah, I I I love hitting my land drops. All of mountains.
0: You want a little piece of trivia about this Koth?
1: Absolutely.
0: So, of the ten planeswalkers in All Be One. All of the like Phyrexian Planeswalkers, of course, have completed. So that's so five of them have that ability. And then there's the five Planeswalkers that don't get completed. Uh, Of those ones, the the survivors, uh, four of them have a static ability in addition to their loyalty abilities. And Koth is the only Planeswalker in the set that doesn't either either have a static ability or completed.
1: That's funny. (laughs) (laughs)
0: They're just like, no, he's
1: cool yeah he's fine like
0: nice nah, he's, he's fine he's fine that's
1: so funny <laughs> yeah i do love i mean I, I know this is a controversial take like maybe a hot take but i do like the static abilities on planeswalkers like i know some people really hated it but i really think that's just war like war of the spark limited like tainting people's perceptions because there's so many abilities and so many planeswalkers in that set that like it was so hard to track when yeah. something was going on but it's it's good it's better <laughs> it's it's better to have this they're more fun there's more design space it's okay it's we'll, we'll live it's gonna be okay but yeah that is my my six card i think i do
0: listeners at home can correct me but uh what is your next card all right uh, my next card is oh <laughs> this is a, a really bread and butter card um so this is Kinkerbloom. bloom it is one in yeah. a green yeah, one green for a three-two creature Phyrexian fungus, and it has one sacrifice canker Bloom. Choose one: destroy target artifact, destroy target enchantment, or proliferate. Uh, so I'll get this out of the way. It is one of the best fungi for Thelon, Um, but really, this is just a good value creature for like the many many commanders that care about like either creatures dying or recurring creatures from your graveyard. So I'm thinking like Marin, Moldrotha, Yodora, kind of. This, this is just like, um, a sweet little card. Um, very useful effect on a body that can be recurred without too much difficulty. Um, so I'm pretty into this card. I think it's going to see a lot of adoption.
1: Yeah. I think this is just like, it it's insane how good of utility this card is when we only recently got a white card that could do something similar. Um and then Kanker Bloom showed up and was like, No, 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 white, come on. You know you know Green's got it. I also just love fungus stuff that shouldn't surprise people as like Golgari's my favorite guild. So this guy's art rule. <laughs> so I really <laughs> like this like weird freak. He's so cool. And I guess I'll getting into my next one. It should be pretty quick, honestly, to go through if you're okay with it. hmm So yeah, this is uh one more red card for the the red homies out there. This is Sulfim Mayhem Dominus. So Solfim is the red dominus, cost four mana, two red red. They are in a legendary creature for Xian Horror. They cost well, I, I said they cost four, but they're a five-four for four. Uh, if a source you control would deal non-combat damage to an opponent or a permanent, an opponent controls it deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead. And then one Phyrexian red, Phyrexian red, discard two cards, put an indestructible counter on Sulfim Mayhem Dominus. So that's one and four life, two and one, uh, two and two life. Like pick your poison, uh, make them indestructible. Have at it. So the hard to t- kill part of him is really good. Um... So Furnace of Wrath and Angrass Marauders are both in 17,000 decks on EDH Rec. I, I don't think this is a direct comparison because this is only non-combat damage, but I think like Torbrand is a pretty good place to check too. But Torbrand as a card is in uh, 46,000 decks on EDH Rec, which is pretty wild. So I think the fact that this is hard to kill um, makes things that people like doing, like Blasphemous Act, like... Crazy or uh, repercussions, which is uh, one red red enchantment. Uh, whenever a creature takes damage, uh, repercussion deals that much damage to the creature's controller. Sulfim's probably going to be pretty wild, not just as a commander, but like in decks that want to do this stuff. I know that like a lot of um, Fire Song and Sunspeaker, the red white minotaurs that you gain life and deal damage when you cast white and red like instant sorceries and stuff. Um, tends to like Torbran and uh, a lot of these other cards. So I think this definitely goes into a particular like niche of archetypes, but it's one that I'm interested in, and it's one that it seems like people have been wanting. So yeah, Uh Cool art, cool card, lots of damage. So uh, yeah, I guess.
0: Getting towards the end here, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to pass it to Nick now.
0: All right, uh, my next card is Conduit of Worlds. This is two green green for an artifact. You may play land cards from your graveyard uh, and then tap, choose target non-land permanent card in your graveyard. If you haven't cast a spell this turn, you may cast that card. If you do, you can't cast additional spells this turn. Activate only as a sorcery. I will happily take another Crucible of Worlds, even if it's one more mana. Um, I don't value the activation super highly in most decks um but it's very good in decks that can play on their opponent's turns like yeva nature's nature's herald you can use the conduit on your turn to just get some value and then yeva will let you play your creatures on your opponent's turns uh, or like if you have a deck that has like good uh mana sinks um so for example if you have like i don't know maybe like a a Hydra deck or something where you can just pump all your Manda into one giant like X spell that could be good. Or if you just have like non-spell mana sinks that you can use your mana for uh, that, that would also be a place that can get additional value out of this card. Um, I, I think this is pretty cool. Um, I like that we're getting closer to I don't know if we need do we need a a critical mass of crucibles it it won't hurt um it won't hurt it it does enable some really cool things um like just I, I of course love crucible fetch engines where you just guarantee a land drop every turn um and I I love like of course you can always strip mine people uh it works great with additional land drop effects of which there are many in green um yeah, I, I'm happy to see a design like this.
1: Yeah, no, I love these kind of things. I love getting to play lands from Grave, getting to play lands from Exile, extra land drops, all that green stuff. Like, It's kind of funny that green just has the Monopoly on it, but I will play green as long as they keep printing cards like this. <laughs> super <laughs> fun. Um, and with that said, this is my green card for... The set, um, it's a pretty quick one, and it's. I'm kind of bringing it up more as like speculation. Um, they juice the power level in this set a lot by just tacking uh, proliferate onto cards. So my only green card, only mono green card, I'm going to talk about is unnatural restoration. So unnatural restoration is a green sorcery. It costs two mana, one and a green. It says return target permanent card from your graveyard to hand. Proliferate. So there is a huge difference between Regrowth on EDHREC and Nature Spiral, which is kind of like the fixed Regrowth. Um, So Regrowth gets any card from your graveyard to hand, and Nature Spiral gets a permanent card from your graveyard to hand. Um, Regrowth is in 6,000 decks on EDHREC. Nature Spiral is not even in 6,000 decks. It's in like 5,000 something. Um, This is Nature Spiral. But it has proliferate tacked onto it, and I think that that could be enough value to push this into the highly played categories. Um, there are a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of regrowth effects in green at this point, and they all vary in playability. Um, according to EDH like a majority of them sit around three thousand, um, and I'm talking about like two dozen, more than two dozen cards that are doing something like this at this point. Um, like actually, I think like closer to sixty <laughs> cards over the years that regrowth something, uh, one or more cards, um, and the ones that are played very highly, like say like a life from the Loma are in like again sixty thousand decks or something like that. So, I, uh, mostly I I do like this card. This is the kind of card that fits into like a very particular type of deck, some kind of like green super friends list, perhaps, or um counters list or something uh and i wanted to see also how you felt about it like do you think tagging proliferate onto an effect like this is enough to get people to play it or do you think that like proliferate's not sexy enough for most players
0: um that's a good question i think that people tend to like see proliferate on a card and think like oh my deck doesn't have counters to proliferate and it makes them like less likely to run the card than to just run the base effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again like nature's spiral is only in like 2800 decks on EDH Trek, so it's not like there's a whole lot of decks out there that would switch to a natural restoration for like the strictly better kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um. That being said, like I would happily run this in like you know an Azuri 3.0 or some other deck that like really wants to proliferate. But I think people are, are not good at like recognizing the you know strictly better but in like a marginal way kinds of cards, or they just like don't care enough to make the switch.
1: Mm-hmm yeah I feel like that's one of the reasons that regrowth is in so many decks is that people put it in when they made their deck like initially, and then just like it works, so why take it out? <laughs> you know, like same with like explosive vegetation, we've gotten what like five, six almost strictly betters at this point, and explosive vegetation is still in way more decks than like any of the other variants you could possibly have. The card adoption that people have. Is I don't know I I don't know how to think about it. Like sometimes people clamor for stuff, you know. Like uh, Assassin's Trophy was, people were like, "Oh yeah," but then you don't need Assassin's Trophy, you know what I mean? Like there's, like kangaroo Bloom is like an obvious like upgrade over cards that we have, and I think it's like sexy enough to see play, but like I don't I don't know why over other cards necessarily. Maybe it's because it's a creature, like it has three power or something. I don't know. So. It's just things I think about sometimes when we do our prediction episodes or when we're doing set reviews. I'm like, is this enough to make people play it? I don't know. The art's really cool. I love the Jeremy Wilson art. So, all that said, we are on to your seventh pick, right? This
0: is a that that is Nick? correct, and it is another green card. Um, this one I think has a lot of potential in mono green decks. Um, mm-hmm. this is, uh nissa ascended animist it is three green green and then phyrexian green phyrexian green so you can play you can play it for the full seven mana uh, or just five and four life or six and two life whatever you want Uh, it's a seven loyalty legendary planeswalker nissa with completed um so if you pay life instead of If you pay life uh, instead of mana, it does come into play with fewer loyalty counters, uh, either uh, five or three, depending on how much life you paid. And then it has plus one create an XX green Phyrexian horror creature token where X is Nissa ascended Animist's loyalty minus one destroy target artifact or enchantment and minus seven until end of turn creatures you control get plus one plus one for each forest you control and gain trample so uh definitely want to point out that completed like is a drawback in this case or you want to be very careful about how you use completed you can't caster for five and then immediately ultimate you're not going to have enough loyalty for that so uh if you want to get the big overrun which i think is like the highlight of the card and the main thing you'd run it for uh, it is going to mm-hmm. cost you the full seven mana that being said uh, this is a hell of an overrun effect in a yeah. mono <laughs> green deck um, if you are if you don't waste too much space on non-basic lands you could i mean very easily just get like a plus seven plus seven and trample to all your guys and that would probably win the game that that seems like a decent crater hoofing to me. Uh, it does have the restriction that you got to be mono green and you can't tutor it out as easily as you can tutor up a, um, as easily as you can tutor up a crater hoof. But like how many overrun effects are there on that power level? It's really just like hoof and triumph of the hordes. And now this, I think um, I, I think mm-hmm. it really, has great potential for green decks that are trying to go wide
1: yeah i I do want to say certain decks really like overwhelming stampede too like if you have like it's a it's a very particular kind of deck but it's the kind of thing that just can nuke a whole table but i do agree with you i think nissa was almost on my list but i saw that you'd written her down (laughs) and i'm like okay we're gonna talk about her it's pretty wild even if you don't like overrun immediately like getting an 8-8 and like still having the ability to do all of these things next turn is is crazy. So this mm-hmm. is like so much value on one card. Yeah. Just they juiced these like high MV planeswalkers this set.
0: It's pretty wild. Yeah, I'll kick it back to you though. Uh, that's all I had to say about Nyssa. What's next on your list?
1: Uh well, it's I think our last planeswalker we're gonna talk about this episode. So uh this is Tyvar Jubilant Brawler. This is a three-mana, three-loyalty Legendary Planeswalker Tyvar. Tyvar costs one black-green. Has a static ability. You may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. Has plus one, untap up to one target creature, minus two, mill three cards. Then you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And that's it. So I really like this card i think this is uh we talked about this in our discord so if you're in our discord you've seen this discussion probably this is the most disjointed card via like the person and color identity comparison that it evokes like tyvar is like a tribal elves guy um but is somehow black green but he's mostly black green because elves on kaldheimer black green but then like the abilities like untap a thing and then like return an elf or well i say elf as like shorthand but return a two mana value thing um very strange like abilities on him but i think all the abilities said like the the weird flavor disjoint like acknowledged that a thousand year elixir in black green sounds fantastic um Black Green has mana elves. You have nasty tap effects. You got commanders with activated abilities. Um, so I think this is a cool card for Golgari to get in particular. Like, you can play your board out. Let's say you get your. Um, oh, man. So let's say you just play out your Devoted Druid because it's a good card. You know, it makes a bunch of mana. And then it dies. Well, your Tyvar comes down, untaps it, or like brings it back. And then it can immediately start making mana after that. So the fact that like this brings back combo pieces, enables them to work the turn that you drop him or the turn you bring them back. I think there's like a really interesting bunch of stuff going on here. Um he seems pretty non-threatening to me, and that's been a pretty fun place for me to play around in in regards to plane walkers, planeswalkers lately where people just kind of don't realize that they're doing as much as they are. I feel like maybe people who understand how strong thousand year elixir is would maybe hit this guy with a creature if they have the chance, but I'm going to have to play it more to see, but this is just an interesting, weird card. There's a lot to talk about with it. Um, I'm kind of just briefly touching the surface and uh, I've always loved thousand year elixir. So uh, putting that in my favorite guild, seems like a fun thing to do. So, yeah, that's a that's Tyvar and I've only got one more, but uh Nick, do you want to get on to your ninth card?
0: All right, my ninth card is oh, it's a spicy one. Um Sword yeah. of Forge and Frontier. Uh this is 3 mana for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets +2/+2 plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and from green. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, Exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. And you may play an additional land this turn. It also has equip for two. So, um, this is, I I mean, if you are the kind of person who just like hates seeing cards exiled forever, uh, this perhaps is not the card for you. Um, it is... (laughs) it is like a lot worse. The first turn you cast it than many other swords out there. um, Because it is very unlikely. You're going to get the full value from the two cards you exile. If you're paying like five mana to play and equip this, um, maybe you'll get an additional land drop, but you probably are going to lose something forever in subsequent turns, though. It is quite good. Um, I've, only had the chance to play it in some limited games where it was uh, incredibly effective and being the although the protections aren't that great um the value you get off of this is like more than almost any other sword um it's just you know being able to ramp you drawing two extra cards per turn uh gets you quite a lot of value for for the cost it's only just unfortunate that it's not, it's just so weak the first turn. And if it like gets blown up immediately after that, before you get to like untap with it and get your full value, then it just kind of stinks. So keep that in mind, but it's a good sword. It's I'd say it's in like the top half of the 10 sword or of the nine swords we've seen so far.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I would say so. I, I, I really like this effect. I think just even just getting the extra land a turn, even if you can't necessarily get something else, um, makes this worth it. If you do end up hitting with it, the turn you play it, you know? Um, So yeah, it's good colors too. I mean, the the red is a good protection for like damage spells and like wipes and stuff. And green is a good protection for like getting past blockers (laughs) and commander. (laughs) It's like, there's just so much green. Everyone's got a green guy. So yeah, I think it's cool. Love seeing like what they're doing with the swords, you know, interesting to see how like it's taken them so long that the design philosophy has changed like somewhat (laughs) as they've gone through.
0: Yes. Yeah. Tell us your last card.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is Argentum Masticore. So this is kind of like a few of these have been like personal to me. They're like cards that I really liked. And so I'm saying them, um, this one in particular is definitely one of them. It's uh, Argentum Mastacore is a 5-mana, five 5-5 five, five Phyrexian uh, Um It has First Strike and it has protection from Multicolored. And it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Argentum Mastacore unless you discard a card. When you discard a card this way, destroy target non-land permanent and opponent controls with mana value less than or equal to the mana value of the discarded card. So i love discarding cards um i like reanimator i like graveyard synergies i like uh like looping cards with like wheel effects all these things are things that make me really happy um and this discards something and blows it up i'm particularly fond of this guy in like reanimator lists because you play him it's a five five first strike protection from most commanders so blocks like a champ, gets in there pretty well, and then you pitch your like seven drop to reanimate that turn and blow something that costs seven or less up, which is pretty wild. So I think like the amount of value this can give you in a deck that really cares about like reanimating or pitching cards. Um the one thing I do want to say is this is like slower. This sits on like a weird spot on like the reanimator curve. Um, to like use that term like loosely because typically you're like want to discard something turns like one, two, three, maybe four. And then you want to reanimate something turns like three, four, five, maybe six. So the fact that this guy does what he's doing is definitely like more of a late game kind of synergy. And you also, unless you're okay with him dying a few times, if you like have that much reanimation, maybe you're playing like the new guess or something like that, that can tap to pay three tap to reanimate something. Um, you do need some sort of like card draw engine in your deck. That's not something I'm typically for want of these days, but it is something that like a newer player might not have enough of. Again, you just got to eat your veggies, you got to make sure you're you got that card flow going so you can keep your Argentum Masticore big and strong. Um, but I think if you do end up playing this card, it's going to be a house. It's going to be like wild because you I mean, if they blow it up with something, you don't have to discard. But if they do like or if they if they don't, you're sitting on like a perpetual kill spell, perpetual like incredible blocker, incredible attacker. So, yeah, this thing is weird. It sits in a really strange space and I'm into it. I really like it. So, that is my 10th card. Um want to to weigh in or would you like to get to your last guy?
0: Uh I'm I'm a, a little bit skeptical of the Mastacore. I you know, I love colorless um value engines like colorless decks are so starved for interaction in so many ways. Um but I'm also just afraid of cards that require me to like wait a whole turn to start getting my value
1: yeah yeah i totally Um, get
0: that like i would have i would actually be kind of interested if this was like um even just like tap discard a card destroy target non-lane blah 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 blah, blah. because at least you could like interact with that a little bit better like giving it haste would be relevant but yeah the the slowness of this scares me a little bit um Although I will say, if you are playing like a liberator, Urza's Battlethopter, where you can flash it in and like give your opponents less time to uh, play around it and react to it, then that could be a way to to make it work better for you.
1: I'm, I've been okay with like slower engines and decks lately because the meta that we played with is so like varied. Um, these last. little while and we've been going out into the wild a little bit more um and we'll continue to so we'll at some point we'll get to y'all about ways in which you can meet us if you'd like to do that but um i think that's kind of another reason that i like it is that like if it goes off i can put the onus on my opponents (laughs) you know like you saw it i gave you a turn (laughs) here it is but
0: all that said, uh, what is your last card? All right, my last card is the Mycosynth Gardens. Uh, this is a land sphere. It has tap, add colorless, and one tap, add one mana of any color. And then you can pay X and tap it to make the Mycosynth Garden become a copy of target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. Uh, so I'll say that, like, the opportunity cost to run this is basically zero in like a one to two color artifact deck. Um you have in like a one to two color deck you've got enough leeway in your mana base that you can run like a couple dorky lands and not really face any consequences because of it. Um I actually am thinking about running this in my four color artifact deck um because i have 13 artifact lands in the deck most of which tap for colors so like worst case scenario if my mana is really messed up i can just play the Mycosynth gardens immediately pay 0 and tap it to make it a copy of my like bridge or whatever or my seal of synod yeah. or something so i'm going to try it in there i know it's uh, a bit ambitious but we'll see how that goes I think it's just like a great addition to artifact decks. Um, Like even if you're only copying a mana rock or a soul ring, well, probably not a mana rock. If you're copying a soul ring, that's pretty good. Uh, You're getting acceleration in your mana base. And then there's a lot more potential once you start copying like utility artifacts, things that'll draw you cards or generate value for you. I, I think this is a really neat way to reward artifact decks in their mana base.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I think this card is like, took me a second to parse. I was like, oh, it's that forever. Oh, oh, <laughs> you know, like it, <laughs> it really took a second to be like, oh, the possibilities. <laughs> so I think that's a the sign of a cool card where like it's honestly not that many lines of text and makes you think about it for forever. That's that's a good sign. Yeah, great design. Yeah, we did it. I mean, that's for, for this episode, at least.
0: Yeah. And again, uh, patrons, uh, you can check out the full show notes with a lot more cards covered, uh, on our, our drive. Just follow the link from Patreon, but for everyone else, uh, let us know what you thought of this slightly truncated set review format. Um, if you like getting through a set review in less than three hours, then, uh, (laughs) Then, then let us know if that works for you. If you do want all the detail, then please let us know, and and we'll return to the regular format next time. But Zach, do you have uh, any overall thoughts on the set? What do you think about now? Now that we've kind of gone through both the commanders and the main deck cards, what are your final thoughts on Phyrexia All b One?
1: Yeah. So after spending time with it, going through the legends. Um getting to play with some of the cards now because this episode will release after the pre-release. It's not like there was a lot of hype around the set when it was coming out. People were like, whoa, look at that. Whoa, look at that. Whoa, look at that. And then after sitting with the cards and like actually looking at what's going on, like, I'm just going to say it was pretty hard to pick 10 cards that I, (laughs) at first I was, looking for cards that weren't necessarily, like, personal, like, top 10, but were, like, here's 10 cards that I think are going to be, like, broadly applicable. And that was pretty hard. There's a lot of stuff in this set not for Commander, which is good. I think that's, like, good for standard sets to not always be geared towards Commander, but it does make it that, like, a card that might be really good in standard or modern or something like an annex century, which is the like O ring creature. That's an artifact creature. Uh, -hmm. I don't necessarily care about that in commander. We have so many versions of this now that like I can get that somewhere else. You know, there's, there's not a lot of effects that are standardized that were something good that I think a lot of decks would want because this set has like corrupted and poison and, um, just kind of in a weird spot, so I love the art, I love the creepy teeth guys, I love um, like the different forms of like mites and things. Um, Phyrexia is pretty cool. I, I love that we get to see more of like the furnace creatures too this time and how they're just mm. like molten lava people. We didn't really get a good look at them like the first time new Phyrexia came around, there's only a few to kind of look at, and they're They've- all kind
0: of weird. They've definitely massaged the, like, uh, I'm going to say visual language, but that might not be right. Um, but just, like, the sort of the, like, oh, God, the, like the vocabulary of, of how they depict these different factions of Phyrexians. Um, I, I feel like the uh, like the white Phyrexians seem like the red accents on their like white porcelain seem like less bloody than before they seem Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like a different material um and like the red phyrexians yeah they definitely have there's a lot more use of um sort of like overlocking plates of metal with like red glow from inside like they're i think they've played around with how they want to show these different factions um and it, it is—it's is. cool how they're like evolving them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. The blue ones in particular surprised me the most. I did not expect the blue Phyrexians to, um, all be tentacle monsters.
0: But <laughs> I know so many yeah. eyes, like crazy amount of eyes on all the blue Phyrexians. Yeah, pretty wild.
1: But um, yeah, I guess I I'm not as I really like Phyrexia, but I'm not as big as a buff of for Phyrexia, like as, as much of a fan. So I'm, I'm actually more interested to hear like your take on the set after we've gone through everything and everything's kind of, the dust is settling, you know?
0: Uh, I think that, so as somebody who finds uh, Proliferate really interesting, uh, I love, 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 how aggressive they've been with the proliferate effects in this set um they they are like barely costing anything relative like you know like anticipate is like not something i go out of my way to play but it's like a fine card it gets you selection whatever but just stapling proliferate on top of anticipate Tells me, or like stapling stapling proliferate on top of like nature's um, spiral, just tells me that, like, okay, they think that proliferate is worth like zero to one mana. Um, And and that rate is awesome. I love seeing that. It gives um, so many decks new tools, like not only like the poison decks, not only like the decks that specifically call out proliferate, like uh, Zuri 3.0 not only the planes blocker decks, but also like one plus one counter decks again, like proliferate amazing mechanic, so many hooks, uh, so many different archetypes it supports. So love, love, love um, the rates we're getting in this set. That's awesome. Um, The, uh, I I think that like toxic is mostly a joke. I hate how little, it matters um i just i just think like toxic one is like complete flavor text it is cool that um like decreasing the power of the poison mechanic in the set like in fact is very very strong um and by dropping it to toxic which is something they can control more easily uh, means that they can put it on creatures they can make the creatures stronger so there are some toxic mm-hmm. creatures that I would just consider running in a random deck that didn't care at all about poison counters. Uh, so that is good. It means that like poison, it means that like some poison creatures don't feel like they're as much of a handicap. Like being able to uh, put like a Skrelv in your Excel deck, um. Makes it so that you can actually like sneak some utility in, whereas like all the infect creatures are pretty much just like vanilla creatures. Like there's so all of their power is concentrated in like how busted infect is in commander. Um, so that's cool. Uh, like tox, Mm, yeah, toxic creatures like being better as creatures is nice. That I'll accept the fact that it's just like way weaker. Uh, then than in fact uh, yes. oil counters are kind of a joke um
1: i, I don't really
0: see yeah <laughs> i don't see like any oil counter cards being like really relevant in commander um corrupted is uh i i, I don't think i mean corrupted is like not a mechanic for commander because so few decks can ever pull off corrupted yeah. <laughs> it's whatever. And, yeah. and and like even Just then I don't know if poison. it's good enough for the poison decks or, or like if most of the cards are good enough for the poison decks anyway. Mhm. I agree. Uh, uh I like Firmitin a lot. Um Firmitin is the mechanic where, you know, and it's an on equipment, the equipment enters, you get a token uh that gets attached to it. That's great for uh the decks that care about equipped creatures, of which there are a handful. Um there's some neat things you can do with those, like in your in your um Akiri 2.0 decks or your Sir Gwyn decks. Handful of cards where that just gives a lot of extra value. That's pretty much all I have to say about the set. Like I think that um there were some cool mechanics. Um I, I liked a lot of what they were doing. The command the batch of commanders, um, is I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but the hit rate is definitely lower than what we saw in the brothers war or in Dominaria United. Um, Or maybe just like the raw number of hits and that's unfortunate. Um, I, I wish that they would like, it's, it's cool that like a lot of the main deck cards are seem to be more geared for standard and constructed. Like there's that four cost six, six demon that's, Mm-hmm. Seems to be like pretty good and standard, but obviously is just not super relevant in Commander. Yeah, or the um, the four
1: four trample for
0: three. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um. So, like aggressive stats for Commander—that's cool for them. But if you're going to be designing legendary creatures, I think that is where you can focus on making them good in Commander. And there's just like there were a lot of whiffs in this set. It was I was uh i was bored talking about like you know the ally color commanders this uh, set, oops those are my overall thoughts um anything you want to add before we wrap up
1: no i think i think that's it i think we uh we can close the door on on these set reviews and um get ready for marching the the machines which is gonna be wild it's gonna be weird (laughs) presumably yes you know?
0: uh, yeah. And actually, um, by the time you're listening to this, I believe uh, there should be an episode up on the MTG and Quarantine podcast feed. Uh, I did a guest spot over there along with some other content creators where we did an episode all about uh, our speculation on what's going to happen in March of the Machines, oh, both cool. in terms of the story and like potential like mechanics or, or even like characters that show up um, so if you're interested in vorthos if you're excited for march of the machines if you are uh, curious about our theories and want to see us proven wrong later um, then please check out the mtg in quarantine podcast feed um, but with that i think that is the end of our episode I'm going to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. Uh, they are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, Andy, James, Bryce, Benjamin, Kyle, Brandon, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Riddle, Carl Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, Carrie, Stephen, The Longs, and Vincent. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am
1: at fat Bartleby.
0: You can also email us at commander at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check them out on SoundCloud.
1: And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk pop punk band called the Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, You can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenotts.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.